Okay, this is KPDO 89.3 FM, serving Pescadero on the South Coast. And today's guest is Harold Shields. Correct. And this is Coastside Conversations. And we talked to Cassie Talbot last week, and you guys are a team, Shields and Talbot. So Cassie gets to take pictures while Harold talks this time. (laughs) (laughs) So so Harold, I, I asked this question of everyone. How did you get to Pescadero? What's your story? How did you wind up here? Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me uh, on the show. I really do appreciate it. It's, it's uh, nice to finally meet you in person. It's nice to meet so, you, too. Uh, it's a great honor for me. Um, I wound up here because the woman I love um, <laughs> was born and raised in Pescadero, and uh, I'm fortunate enough that she is my life partner, and so once we made that commitment, I really didn't see the need to be anywhere else but with her. That's so sweet. <laughs> All the high school kids are just going to go, ah! <laughs> in fact, I can just hear people out there in the, in the office thinking, oh, I wondered about that. <laughs> so, um, so that's cool. That's really cool. But I know that you guys met at some sort of a teaching certificate, sort of a class, I think, in San Francisco State. So how did you get to that point? How, how did you get involved with wanting to teach? And this was what, an equity or diversity or something kind of class? Um, we actually were in the same cohort um, at San Francisco State. It began fall of 2016 um, and wrapped up the spring of 2018. And so for about two years, uh, Cassie, myself, as well as our friends, um, we took night classes a couple times a week together. Okay. Um, and it was really... It, it was really a privilege for me, um, you know, not just meeting Cassie and, and being friends with her at the time, but having all of these people from around the Bay Area who taught different subjects, who had different experiences and expertise, mm-hmm. and we would, like, share our quote-unquote war stories a couple mm-hmm. nights a week. Like, we would congregate, and we were a support system for each other, because most of us had just been in the classroom for, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it was my first year teaching. A couple other people, you know, their first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're teaching still, is that right? No, that's that's not. Uh, so oh. let me give you a little bit of context. So I I grew up um, all over the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, born and raised. I mean, I could name off the cities, but it would be like 13 or 14. In wow. The Bay Area. Yeah, I moved wow. around a lot when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, but mostly in the Bay Area. Um, and I, I grew up, I really wanted to do music. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to make a living with my art. Um, and so I pursued that as a teenager in my early 20s. I mean, my first major in college was music and, and uh, multi-track recording. Um, I went to De La Salle High School in Concord. And uh, my senior year in high school, I took classes at Diablo Valley College okay. at night. And so I, I was learning like the technical aspects of engineering. Mm-hmm. And then the first uh, four-year university I attended was Chico State. And my major was actually music and technology. Mm-hmm. So I was like really... Wanted to be a sound engineer or something like that. Well, I, you know, I rap and so I, I wanted to have my own career, but I thought that, you know, should I not, you know, garner enough attention, then like that's how I could get into the industry. Sure. I could be an engineer to other artists. Sure. And that would be my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So that was the plan. And then um, <laughs> uh, just being a, a young man and uh, not too mature um, and uh, my social life being more important than my studies. <laughs> 
Um, I made some some mistakes, um, and I met my auntie by appropriation, Dr. Karen McCord, who was a professor at Solana Community College, and she became my mentor. Um, and this is someone who, uh, from the South Bronx in New York, was a Black Panther, was a social worker um, mm-hmm. in Vallejo, um, and you know got her side degree and was a college professor. And so I basically became her TA. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the first time we met. I told you about this. My dad, because my dad used to be president at Solano Community College, and he actually hired Dr. McCord. And so, you know, I I had to come home from college because I was getting into a little bit of trouble. And my dad just said, she's brilliant. It doesn't matter what class you take. Just take whatever you can with her if she will allow you to add late. And this was like October 2005. Um, And she did, I take it. She did. The very first time we met, I go to the class, uh, I wait till everyone's left and, you know, like everyone wants to talk to her at the end. So it was just, it was really beautiful to see that, to see Mm -hmm. like what a real professor is who engages with students Mm -hmm. and um, they want to talk to her, they want to seek out her counsel, right? Mm -hmm. And so everyone left and then we went to her office, which was just right around the corner from that classroom. And she said, have a seat. And she said, tell me your life story. Now... I mean, this is 2005, so I mean, I was like 19. Uh-huh. No one had ever asked me that or any anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I talked for, I'd say, a good maybe 20 minutes, and she just sat there in silence looking at me. And then when I finished, you know, what was my life story at that time, she was just very, she didn't say anything for like two minutes. She was just staring at me. And she said, you are now a psychology major because you need to figure yourself out. <laughs> That's so interesting. You know, it really is because I have a brother and a sister who are psychologists and they probably they kind of had the same message told to them, you know, that, okay, you're, you've got some things you've got to figure out. You know, I think it's a motivation for most psychologists. They're trying to figure themselves out first and then they can heal other people or help with other people. So what happened oh, with that? Somewhat of a different take on that. Dude. Just based on once I did change my major, the, <laughs> the best decision I didn't make. Um, it was made for me. Um, I actually noticed my classmates, um, they were more external in terms of their assessment psychologically. Like they wanted to figure out family members or friends or like mm-hmm. the person who they were in a relationship with, right? But for me, it was a really internal thing because okay. that's the directive I was given. <laughs> so, right. Um, and so I did get my bachelor's in, in psychology uh, eventually from. Uh, California State University, Dominguez Hills, which is in Carson, California. Um, so I eventually did that. Um, You've been a, a lot of places in California. It's, I have. I've like lived the North California, Southern California, uh-huh. and of course the Bay Area now. Yeah, out South here, at, out um, here in the woods <laughs> or the boonies. I love it here. Yeah. Um, well, I think I'm thinking that's a good thing since here you are. <laughs> Um, and thank you for saying that, because I think we all love it here. It's it's an awesome place. So you became a psychology major, and then right. what happened? Um, and then, well, let me backtrack a little bit, because even before I got my bachelor's degree, uh, this will all make sense, I promise. I know I'm <laughs> jumping around. That's okay. But um, the reason that I went into education, so in 2008, um, I had the great pleasure of meeting um, a teacher, her name was Lindsay Geneva Brandon. She was an elementary school teacher at Pembroke, um, which is in Petaluma. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met and we just hit it off. And we went from being like total strangers to being 
partners. Mm. And a few months later, we were engaged. And wow. so I, at the time, um, sometimes I pick her up from work. And, you know, so I go to the school like a few minutes before the bell rang and play with the kids and distract them. <laughs> right. But I'd also help them with their schoolwork and stuff and play basketball with them and all that. But every time I did that, she would always say on the way home, like, babe, you're so good with the kids. Like, they always ask when you're coming back, you should really think about becoming a teacher. And at the time, I was like, oh, I don't think so. I actually was thinking about being like Auntie Karen, becoming like a psychology professor at the time, mm-hmm. um, community college, and then I could do my music on the side. Well, Lindsay, um, one day she uh, drank, um, got behind the wheel, and she didn't make it home. Oh. Um, and so... Oh, that's a shame. So, yeah, I mean, it was, what, six days after her 20 sixth birthday i mean she was so young um um, that's tough the reason i got into education eventually is because uh when i moved to san francisco in 2014 well i moved in 2014 and then i met my uh my mentor slash attorney slash sponsor slash uncle uh nicholas gregoratis um who's the head of prisoner legal services for the san francisco uh city and county sheriff's department um, he was like, I told him I want to go to law school. Like I decided that, you know, I really want to uh, contribute to social justice in that way. And he said, that's great. Um, but you need a job now. So, uh, and he introduced me to the head of an after school program at Creative Arts Charter School, which is in the Western edition in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Eileen McCann Kingston, who was the manager, her and I hit it off. Um, I got hired and I was an after school teacher and I was also doing some other jobs just to, you know, pay the bills. Um, so after school teaching doesn't pay a lot. <laughs> no, 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 it does not. Yeah. Um, I, and that's a tough area. I mean, I lived in San Francisco on and off for maybe total of six, seven years. And then my daughter lives there. My niece lives there. I am real familiar with San Francisco. My parents were born there. Mm. Their parents were born there. Their parents were born oh, wow. there. I know, it's kind of crazy. But it, it's a city that has so many segments and, and different mm. little neighborhoods. And every neighborhood has its rich history and its unusual yes. characteristics. So, yeah, when you say Western Edition, a whole lot of things come to mind. So... After school program, mm-hmm. what were you doing in an after school program? Just like we do here where we're just trying to keep the kids doing like elective type stuff. Or? So it began just kind of um, being like, because like, a lot of kids would stay after, you know, waiting for parents or guardians to pick them up. And so it was like a recess at first. So basically it was just like washing the grounds, mm-hmm. playing with the kids, making sure strangers don't come up, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then after a certain amount of time, I think it was like an hour, we'd go inside and they'd have... Um, after school tutoring so I would do that Mm. eventually they asked me to do a homework club which I loved I did that for middle school um if you loved middle school (laughs) that's my jam wow I I know that it's (laughs) it's not an unusual person right there no Um, it's not but I had a colleague Gina Griffiths uh, from creative arts who told me because she was an eighth grade history teacher Mm -hmm. and she we were just talking one day she said you know if a person can teach middle school, like it's actually an obligation, you need to do it because <laughs> it is desperately needed. It is. It's just that age where they yeah. really need people that they can lean on. And, and did you teach like math or PE or what? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm going off on tangents. All right. So, it's okay. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
when I was doing the after school job, I remember one day I'm watching the grounds and there were kids behind me and they said, they didn't know I, was, I could hear them. And they were like, man, wouldn't it be so cool if Harold was our teacher instead of blank? Uh -huh. Yeah, man, that would be so cool. And then, you know, my colleagues, like the administrators there, the teachers, I kept they kept telling me in different ways, like, you should become a teacher. Mm -hmm. And they were echoing the same sentiments that Lindsay expressed. And so I took that as a sign. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's a calling. And so that's that's when I decided to do it. I applied for a uh, middle school TA job there, uh, spring of 2016. Spring of 2016. Um, they usually didn't hire TAs unless they were already in a credential program. They made an exception for me. Mm -hmm. um, we had an equity, um, culture and climate, faculty meetings, uh, contracted with SSS, uh, San Francisco. Um, they usually only let actual credential teachers do that, but they made an exception and they allowed me to, to become part of that. That's awesome. And so um, I did the middle school TA thing. I absolutely loved it. And I went off to this training that was part of my new role, um, the San Francisco Coalition of Essential Small Schools. They do equity work with individuals as well as with schools and even with they're even contracted with SFUSD, mm -hmm. so they're they're a big deal. Um, and I went to that training spring, sorry, summer of 2016, and um, it literally changed my entire life. Oh wow! You know, I thought I was going back to um, being a TA after that, and I was not going to do it for a year while I applied to law school. But I met someone there, Miss um, Linda Jordan. She used to work at Mission High School. Now she works for Holly in the school district in SFUSD. Um, she said, I know you have a job, but there's something going on in the district. There's this new role. I think you'd be great. Please just promise me you'll apply. And I did. And that was to become a classroom teacher to teach cultural identity for black males, wow. specifically Latinx males as well, if they were at your school. And so I did that for two years at Martin Luther King Middle School. I had no idea I'd be a teacher. I didn't know I could, but they got oh. me an emergency credential from the district and they allowed it. And then... Two weeks into the school year, I one of my colleagues uh, was uh, going to SF State for orientation, and I said, man, I'm looking to get my credential, and so I went. Dr. Harney from SF State was like, send me your materials. You're good to go, and so that's where I met Cassie and um, began my two-year journey of not just teaching um, cultural identity to, to young men, uh, my kings, I, I call them, um, but also the night courses and really learning what it meant to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I did that for two years before I went to uh, New York to get my master's. Oh, so you got your master's. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, and so are, that's why you're not teaching? I mean, you just finished school or what's the next step? So my, uh, I went fall of 2018. Fall of 2018, I went to Teachers College, which is the graduate school uh, at Columbia for mm -hmm. um, education, health and psychology. And I got my master's in uh, in 11 months. I got my master's wow. in politics and education. And then I came back home. And um, because I had a job offer, I wanted to be back home. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to work in the same community that I was working in before I left, which was uh, Portola. Um, and basically students from the Bayview, mm -hmm. those were the majority of uh, students at MLK. And then right up the hill is Burton High School, mm -hmm. where I'm the community schools director. 
contracted by the school as well as the Bayview Hunters Point YMCA. So I have a staff of. Oh, so you're there then. You're you're still there. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're not teaching. You're supervising teachers. And yeah, I have a staff of eight people that do case management, uh, academic tutoring, social oh, emotional, wow. um, uh, college and career readiness. Um, we have a. Um, an academy model at Burton. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of things with career um, readiness. We do a lot of things uh, with uh, health sciences, um, internships, um, paid internships. Is this like a, so this isn't a charter school. This, this is, is a public school. It's a public school. Yeah, it used to be Wilson, if you oh, remember. Oh yes, oh yeah. yes, uh -huh. yeah. I do. I do remember. That's it's a. It sounds like a big upgrade from Wilson, <laughs> I have it's, to say. It's an incredible school. That sounds um, awesome. Yeah, it's a really incredible community. Um, the administrators there are phenomenal. Um, Samiqua Thomas is the principal. This was her first year as principal. A hell of a year to be first year principal, oh, gosh. right? Yeah. But she actually began her career at Burton. So she taught there for the last 16 years and then was an assistant principal, I think, for a couple of years. And then this is her first year as principal. Wow. And the administration, they've all been there for the last 20 years. They've all been there together. Coach Bro, who's the athletic director, um, They've all worked together for like two decades. So it's like it's a wonderful. very strong, yeah. very inspiring bond. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be a part of that is, uh, I learned something from them every day, actually. Sure. It's a team. It's a team. Yeah, we have, you know, I'm part of a team here. Um, so this is my, my business. And I say it's my business, but I've sold my business to my employees. Mm -hmm. And we've always been a team. Um, and so now my part of being the team is gradually... You know, try to get out of here, <laughs> extricate myself so I can do other things. Try to uh, just close <laughs> slowly, <laughs> So I, my interests uh, are the radio um, and you know community. I I'm a, an activist in my own way. I've been pushing wealth building, housing, mm -hmm. all this stuff for this community because wow, we've got to eradicate poverty. That's my goal in life. Um, but you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> but well worth it. Yeah. So here you are and you've got a job up in San Francisco, but are you in, involved in the community or it's, are you? I would say yes. Um, I think our radio show is some sort of involvement. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I think being partners with Cassandra is like, I'm automatically involved. You know, she, right. she knows she can call it she can activate me whenever she wants if it, especially if it's for students like yeah whatever you need just just give me some orders and i'll get it done well, which is great and cassie's such a huge contribution to our community and our school district but i am looking forward to what goes forward with shields and talbot i think that's oh my gosh i'm so excited about the idea of a social justice social equity kind of a conversation in fact yes i was at the board meeting via zoom last night and uh, there was a, a really interesting development where the um, chairman of the board or the president of the board gave this equity statement saying hey we've got to discuss this and adopt it and become much more actively aware mm -hmm. of our community and she was bringing out the fact that you know, there's what 61% Latinx in this community. She's is what her statistics were in the school district, and she said that is not reflected in the staff in any way. Mm. There's a lot of um, 
a lot to be learned, a lot to be learned by the staff in, in understanding the conditions that these kids grow up in, who they are, and, and how we can face them, you know, and be partners in their you know, growth and development and education. It was a beautiful statement. I actually asked her to send it to me, so um, it, it was wonderful. But that whole, I mean, look at what, what has happened to the world in the last three weeks, four right. weeks. Our whole consciousness has been raised mm-hmm. by this just egregious, brutal act that everybody saw on mm-hmm. TV and were struck in the face with. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we had to come up, you know, our consciousness was raised. We were really woken up mm-hmm. by that. And you can see what happened. I mean, people reacted, but right. now it's like, okay, now what? How do we learn? How do we come up to speed on this inequity? How do we overcome it? How, what do we do? And, you know, so I'm so glad you guys are interested in helping with that whole process, because I think that's what the communities, I, I would say a lot of people are interested. In fact, how many protesters or demonstrators did we have out here? It was probably all to, or so. maybe more, you yeah. know, depending, because I know people came in and out and they went right. to, like, there was a a vigil at the church mm-hmm. for a Friday night, and then there was the kids meeting on Saturday, and then there were a lot of farm worker people uh, attached to the various organic farms that are here that were um, part of the protests or mm-hmm. demonstrations on Sunday. So maybe 150, which for our little community is like monumental. Right. You know? Right. It's just monumental, and it shows. And then the passion of our school board president, when she was talking, it was like, wow. I mean, people have been so hit by this, so kind of shocked by it, mm-hmm. that it's it. people want to know how to change and how to come up to speed on, well, what is this inequality all about? And I, I think it's not, tr- not just true for, you know, understanding... Uh, the black community and their black history and and black knowledge, you know, history in terms of their academic history um, and cultural, you know, differences, but also for the the Latino kids, the kids who have come up here with a, a completely different background and are struggling with severe handicaps, you know, not knowing the language, not having any resources, Wealth building is just like a dream for them. Then dealing with DACA. So we've got mm-hmm. people here that are just, you know, I mean, we've got a lot of work to do to understand where people are coming from and help. You know, I don't know if help is even the right word, but just fully understand mm-hmm. so that we can be part of the solution. You know, I know right now there's a whole lot of uh, Latino kids who are, in, on pins and needles because there's about to be a Supreme Court decision on DACA. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping to, you know, they're, they're scared to death that if it goes the wrong way, they may be deported. And this has been their home all their lives. This is their country, right? That's a horrible feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there's a lot there. But, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm not expecting you to comment on it. I'm just, you know, oh, okay. venting. <laughs> No, you don't have to make any kind of comment about that. I mean, I'm amazed and impressed at what you're doing. It's very important, uh, you know, it's, and it's a very valuable thing. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think San Francisco is a good place uh, to move forward on kind of new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're willing to support something that's a little different than the norm, mm-hmm. to make sure that it mentors and supports uh, kids who might otherwise be left behind or just be left out. I was reading Cassie's statistics, you know, the ones that she mentioned on the on the show, or one in three black men yes go that to as a fact go to jail yes that is startling that is startling you know what it's it's, it's our reality it's, it's been that way for i mean forever 100, 150 years. 400 years <laughs> you know? um, yeah well i'm talking you know post-slavery i mean yeah um, well, and during slavery, I mean, what was that? That was incarceration in a different way. Correct. You know? Correct. So I, I remember, um, and you, I'm sure, are really, I, I, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you. Sure. Everybody likes podcasts these days as a way of getting information. And I was wondering, I, I have this list of books and I have this list of, of movies, but everybody watches podcasts and I I watch, you know, Joe Rogan every once in a while. Nice. I watch uh, The Hill Rising every once in a while because those guys seem like left and right, which is good. Um, I've seen Helen Hunt. I've seen The Breakfast Club. I've seen a few things <laughs> That's one of my favorites. here and there. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering, you know, here I am, a, a person who really is kind of on the outside looking in. What would you suggest as a way to just sort of get up to speed on the cultural norms of, you know, what's oh, going on? That is a good one. Have um, you thought about that? The Breakfast Club, definitely. I mean, I, I watch that daily. Do you really? Yeah, I do, depending on uh, who they're interviewing or, like, who the, what the donkey of the day subject is. Like, <laughs> I look at the title and I usually listen. Um, I didn't know about it until um, I was really into Andrew Yang. I'm still into Andrew mm-hmm. Yang. I mean, I'm into universal basic income in a big way. But it wasn't until he got on The Breakfast Club that I found out about it. And now I've watched it several times, just try to keep up with what's who the latest, uh, well, especially in regard to political figures that were on the show, just to see what they were uh, talking about. But I thought that was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> so I, I was trying to look through my podcasts uh-huh. and, and give you some, you know, some suggestions. But I actually I'm really into true crime. So like, <laughs> I don't have a lot of like political <laughs> podcasts, actually. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. That's, so that's probably really good. No, that's probably really good because like my, <laughs> my podcast shows are it's either true crime or it's like the American presidents or presidential inbox or something like that. <laughs> it's not, really? Yeah, really. That's great. So, um, that's so funny. That's great. But I mean, just in terms of, I, I do want to go back to something you were saying. Um, in, in reference to uh, the late George Floyd, um, that that has always happened um, in America. Um, it's just that we can see it now. Now mm-hmm. it's being filmed, and so that that's all it is. Because yeah, I know in, in my community that has always happened. Like I've actually been the victim of police brutality more than once in the state of California, and I've had a knee on my neck, my mm-hmm. back. I've been while I was in handcuffs. I've been I was tossed up against a squad car while all the other cops just watched. Like, I was beaten unconscious with nightsticks and Chico. Like, yeah. you know, um, 
You're just a bad guy because you've so. got a black skin. I guess so. Somebody oh. said somebody said that it's not racism; it's anti-black people, and it's anti-black men. And this is what they're saying about the police. Mm-hmm. The police are just, you know, they've got it out for for black guys. I mean, it's to me, and you know, obviously, like this is something that's very near and dear to my heart because uh, because of my personal experiences, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not theoretical for me, you know. Right. Um, but like, we have in our family, um, Cassie's sister, uh, or well, Cassie's brother-in-law. Um, is a second-generation uh, Santa Cruz police officer, and his father was killed in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, and I've had relationships with officers or law enforcement throughout my life in some shape or form. That was positive. You mean. That was positive. Positive mm-hmm. and negative. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, I think you got to start with the beginning of any institution, research that history, mm-hmm. and then you're able to see the connection to now. So... Police started as slave patrols during slavery to yep. keep "quote unquote" slaves from running away. Oh, that is right. that is the <laughs> that is the beginning mm-hmm. of policing in this country. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, I read that just recently. Yeah. I didn't know that history yeah. until like you know, like five days ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people are finding these sorts of things out right now, and it's it's like wow. And I mean, for me, like it isn't about. To me, I think it's it's specific to the United States of America. Mm-hmm. It's not about police worldwide. It's not about any other no, institution agree. other than what's here. Because honestly, I think that police are a good idea. Like, how else do you protect society right. on a daily basis locally? Mm-hmm. And even, like, the history of, of cop. Like, it, it started in ancient Egypt, you know? Um, they were called Conscience on Patrol, mm-hmm. C-O-P. And they wore blue because blue was the color of conscience huh. in their culture. And then, of course, Britain, you know, later on, uh, they, they switched it around to constable on patrol. Uh-huh. Right. Like, so, like, these are huh. synthesizing all of this different information. Like, for me, sometimes it's, it's you know, it's like a tightrope walk. Um, well, I've been in school my whole life, so it's like I just I, I know way too much. Well, honestly, I think everybody <laughs> wants to know more, more and more right now, and it's a lifelong learning. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're in this in a situation in in the world. The time of this world is we all have to be learning more all the time, mm-hmm. partly because we're just being th- you know so many things are being thrown at us, and things are changing so quickly, and we all have to learn new careers all the time. We have to adapt. Right. So, let me just say, this is KPDO 89.3 FM, serving Pescadero and the South Coast. And so, I wanted to just introduce you again. Harold Shields is with me today on Coastside Conversations. And we're talking a little bit about black history and George Floyd and policing and racism within policing, but a whole lot of other things, too. So... You have this amazing position in San Francisco. Um, how do you see the impact of that on the kids that you're dealing with? What has how has that changed their lives? Uh, it's different for everyone. Um, I because I'm not a direct service provider currently, right? Um, I don't have the I would say connections with a large group of students on a daily basis. My staff does. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are students that, you know, um, 
check in with me, text me. Their parents call me, like, you know, some I used to teach in middle school and now they're in high school with Burton. Um, so I, I think it affects everyone differently. I think some are adapting really well. I, I think for others it's difficult. I think that it's more about their home situation. And I think that that's what really determines everything else. Because if everything's solid at home, then we can figure out the academics. But if you, you know, unfortunately, if you... It is the family unit. It always comes back to the yeah, family unit. I mean, you can't expect a kid to worry about homework when, you know, they, they don't live in a safe space. So, like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's punishing them for things or, that are out of their control. The yeah, or way. if they're being, you know, emotionally or physically abused, or if right. they are hungry or, you know, I mean, right. we have that same situation here. I mean, and I actually, I think it's in every, uh, every community, and we just sort of hide our eyes, but there are kids who are being ignored or neglected, mm-hmm. or they're brought up in a situation that's so chaotic they can't focus. And there's been some trauma training here, Mm -hmm. recognizing that a child is the product of a very chaotic or traumatic um, incident or family environment, helps the teachers understand how better to uh, teach the child or, uh, you know, accommodate their needs Mm -hmm. when they understand where their, you know, what their background is, what the family unit is going through. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I'm very familiar with the foster situation in San Francisco, and it's a mess, total and complete mess. So I really, you know, that's one of the reasons we have to eradicate poverty. That's one of the reasons I'm so for this idea of universal basic income. Give people a platform to stand on. Give everybody a chance to have the the basic needs met. Then you can have some sort of... um, calm in your life you can have some sort of security you're not anxious all the time right and that makes a big difference so um so where do you go from here is this where you want to be is this the 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 end goal it seems like every time you meet a new person there's going to be some new development in your life so i'm kind of hoping maybe you're going to teach down here but you know (laughs) (laughs) probably not You never know. <laughs> um, I, I will be wherever Cassie is. Oh, okay. Um, well, she's here. So, so that means that, yes. All right. Well, it's a long commute, you know. <laughs> it's um, a very well, long you know, commute. I've been able to work remotely thus far. And, oh, um, okay. We don't know what fall is going to look like right. for schools, um, right. my school in San Francisco. So if it should be, uh, you know, distance learning, then, you know, I could... We actually just stay here like and work from home like I've been doing. Yeah, there's actually a lot of people thinking it is going to be distance learning. The older the kid, the older the uh, class, you know, probably the more likely that it will be distance learning. Although here, I think what they've discovered is that some kids just absolutely, especially young kids, have to have that teacher in front of them to encourage them, and they need some kids around i i don't know i was listening last yeah. night to how they're gonna do it it's tough it's really tough i mean i think we've learned a lot because we've had to from um social distancing and distance learning i think that um i, I think that you cannot replace the the social equity of a school of a classroom um mm-hmm. that there's something about the, that process that is 
like quintessentially beneficial. Yeah. Right. For, Can't be for replaced. the development of a person, mm-hmm. or a young person. Right. So I, I do think that, you know, our youth have had to learn certain skills during this time, and that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it replaces the magic that can happen in a classroom when you have the right educator like right. Cassie. There's right. just there's just no comparison. Well, and it's, it's the educator, and it's the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the whole environment, and and kids need to and have their, socialization. Like, that's it. Spend time with their peers and their exactly. It's like, a big part of life. Yeah, really a big part of life. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a it's a tough time. We're all hoping for a cure, a vaccine, both. Um, and until that happens, we're all going to be a little bit afraid, and we're going to have to do a lot of social distancing. But um, I keep hearing about breakthroughs all the time. I'm hoping that things get a little bit better. Uh, so you know, I guess we can all hope for that. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> you know, the older people have to stay safe, but they say that. Being outside, outdoor learning might be a great option, you know? Finally, right? Perfect excuse to do that. Why not? And around here, we've got so much outdoor education going on. I mean, we've got... Um, Chairs outside, desks outside. Yeah, and there's a... No, More rugs, I mean, mats, whatever. Well, we actually have camps that do it. I mean, we've got, yeah. like, uh, what is it? Horizons? What is the name of it? I forget. But there's a lot of different organizations in our community that are are focused on outdoor education. And we've had this show on now for a few weeks called uh, The Children's Hour. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about outdoor education right now. I mean, there's so many activities. There's so much fun the kids can have. Mm-hmm. And the sun kind of kills the germs, right? And so, <laughs> you know, literally. Oh, yeah. And so it's like hey, sunlight is good for the soul, and it's good for the evidently the health. So this is something we've got to do more of. And they've actually they were talking about that last night at the school board meeting. You know, maybe getting some more outdoor activities for the kids, mm-hmm. so that yes, you're socially distanced and proper inside the classroom, but then you can go outside and and do some fun things. You know, like maybe baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball, you can potentially kind of stay far away from each other until you run into each other, of course. Right. <laughs> they go, we wear masks. Yeah, <laughs> or just play workup. You don't remember workup. You throw the ball, they hit it, people run around the bases, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was... Yeah, I think we can, uh, we can make it work. It's not something that I'm very concerned about. I think that the battle that I have, and now I know Cassie has as well, is kind of going up against this mentality with people in education that like things need to go back to the way they were when we i'll i'll speak for both of us on this like we understand that school was not created for children of color specifically um and poor children to succeed it's not what did dick gregory say he said school is not about education school is about training Mm -hmm. like that's what those people set it up for it's not what we conceive it as is really like a way to, you know, develop yourself and a way to figure out how you can contribute to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really this mechanism that has been used to push kids out, push kids into jails. Like it's been, it, it hasn't been worked. Well, it hasn't worked the way I wanted it to work yeah. for our youth. And so I don't want to go back to the way things they were. Mm-hmm. They, they were messed up before. <laughs> I, I want to progress. I want 
schools that actually become what they should have always been in the first place, which is a place for liberation and acceleration. Mm-hmm. And we can actually do that, but it's we're going to have to all get on the same page as a community, whether it's at a school or a school district or, you know. I think people want to right now. I think that's one of the things that I'm seeing. People are much more receptive to what you're saying. They really want to change things. I hope so. Because you're so right. I mean, and when you look at kids have access to all these different things, you know, the, the computers or the laptops or the smartphones or whatever, they can look things up on their, their smartphones. They need to learn how to be human beings. They need to learn how to be people and how to, how to communicate and how to relate to each other. You don't get that on the smartphone. You learn how to be isolated with a smartphone, and these kids need a completely different kind of education. Well, I just the way that I was sort of trained is to be student-centered and student-focused, and so I think uh, it's, and I've seen this all over the country, this isn't just like a California thing, it's like adults will have conversations about students and what students should be doing and don't even include students in that conversation, and right. to me, that's where you've gone wrong, like right. this, this is not going to work bring them to the table. Yesterday, Cassie and I attended a virtual meeting um, moderated by Veronica Garcia of the Human Rights Commission in San Francisco. There were three students on there, uh, panelists from Oakland and San Francisco, and we just listened to them. Mm. We just listened to what they were going through, you know, what they're working on, what they're focused on during this time. And yeah. that's like, that that's is great. that is how you begin. You listen to the babies mm-hmm. and let them tell you how to serve and support them because that's what an educator is supposed to be. That's great. Um, One of the reasons we got the grant we did for rebooting the KPDO was this e-magazine idea. And and you're familiar with that, Cassie, where the the kids run the show Mm. and they're the ones who come up with the content. And we just give them tools so that they can broadcast that or publish it or write it or whatever and then mm-hmm. it's up to them it's up to them to to run with it right. so at this point we're just in still in the process of, of getting those tools together and then our mandate um, one of the milestones that we have to accomplish is teaching the teachers teaching the students how to use the equipment the sound equipment the broadcast equipment mm-hmm. so they can go live or record and then let them go, you yeah. know, let them have this e-magazine idea where they produce whatever content they want. Now, my granddaughters are so into fan fiction and reading all these different books. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what they're going to come up with, but they're incredibly <laughs> creative kids. You know, I love the idea of letting the kids do it, mm-hmm. you know, of letting them figure it out. So I'm anxious for us to get to the point where we can do that. We're gonna, we're getting close, and uh, you can actually record in the studio now. I should probably, ah. I should probably show you how to do that. I would love to to just take a look. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely, awesome. we could do that. And one of the things that we have in there is you can record a show. You can. We're gonna have a phone in there so people can call in. Um, we have a Bluetooth connection, so you, so your cell phone could be connected, and you could you know get text messages and stuff. Oh, you're on the air with Shields and Talbot. That's it. Stay the case. Would that be fun or what? 
And I, I, so, I mean, you guys can use your imagination as to what kind of a communication, com, you know, capability that gives you. But I would love it if the kids could get involved with that. I just would love it. So, you know, we, we have lots of choices about what we're going to put on the air, but we really want a community broadcast uh, station where the kids, every aspect of the community is involved. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So I hope you guys can do that. I hope you guys can actually be in the studio answering phone calls, having these really, and we've got such fun. We can work something out. Yeah. Yeah, We can make it work. It is the summer. That's true. So. Oh, and we have these powerhouse kids, heirs to our oceans kids. Oh, my God. Those guys, they, they can talk. I mean, they give presentations that make the adults nervous it's like oh my god i don't want to follow that person on the stage <laughs> they're a little too good <laughs> it's really good um and honestly they they have such uh proactive ideas about the environment about social justice about you know so many things i'm just excited to live at this time when i can watch these kids flourish and this is an opportunity this is a platform on which they can make they yeah they can create their own classes you mm-hmm. know whatever they want to do with it um so i haven't asked you what you want me to know about you what you know i mean we've oh. we've just been talking what do you want me to know about you have i already found out i think so okay <laughs> well you're you know it sounds like you've had a really interesting life and you said that you'd moved around a lot, 13 different homes. Probably before I was the age of 13, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's a chaotic life right there. I mean, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was four. Um, oh. I remarried when I was five um, to the best man I've ever met, my quote-unquote stepfather. Uh-huh. Um, but to me, he's just dad. And so that meant I had at least two addresses mm-hmm. you know, until I finished high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, that is not so unusual in this day and age, right? Although I'll tell you what's unusual in this day and age, young people getting married. People don't get married because they don't feel like they have the economic resources or they're not sure of what they want to do. There's a lack of marriage. There's a lack of, lack of entrepreneurship. Chris, I'm... I'm I'm not <laughs> looking at you when I say this. I'm just quoting statistics. Of course, but I'm just laughing because I think I can hear her thoughts. So, Cassie and I will be getting married uh, 2024 after we finish both of our academic careers once and for all. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you heard it here first, here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> That's and we're doing cool. year two. We want to do it um, at the family property. Oh, fabulous. So, all friends and family can come here. Oh, man, that's exciting. Well, congratulations, you guys. Thank you. That's awesome. And so (laughs) that's a pretty big announcement right there. Congratulations. Um, And so hopefully, you know, we're going to get you here more and more. We'll probably get you working in the school district. I just just know it. It's going to happen. You know, I was... (laughs) Her mom, Pat, well, I know you know Pat. Um, I do. We were talking about it, like, you should really do something in the school. And I was like, I, what I would love to do is, like, an after-school homework club. Uh-huh. Volunteer. Hey, maybe you can help out with our, our radio, our radio like club, you know. 
Get these kids going. Uh, we're here. Yeah, that's you so have awesome. our information. That's a, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, it's not up to me. It's it is kind of up to the kids, but they have to know what the opportunities are, right? We have to introduce people, and so I'm very excited about your show. You know, and hey, you've got to get those kids to call in, right? You've got to get those kids to call well, in. I don't and, think that's going to be the issue. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's gonna be fun. You know what? That's that's. You're scared. I'm so I'm so odd that you feel that way. That's so cool. All right. Well, listen, guys. Thanks so much. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm I'm thrilled at this announcement. It's like wow, an, uh, an exclusive scoop. <laughs> I just know that everybody who's listening, and I know the kids are going to listen to this. They're they're all going to be screaming down the halls. <laughs> But that's the love of my life. Uh, well, that's sweet. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. For and having I, us. I had no idea <clears throat> that this would be announced during the show. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> but um, also, I just want to say that I'm so glad you're here. I think it's just so timely for all of us that, that you're here. I think you're a fabulous guy, and I'm so glad oh, that thank you... you Thank you for being uh, here. May I say one last thing? Oh, you sure can. Yeah, that's something you should know. Cassie and I, uh, we just officially started uh, a consulting firm. Um, so something that we will be doing in the, the very near future um, is we'll be consulting with individual educators, um, schools, school districts, potentially, on anti-racist teaching, social oh, justice, fabulous. equity, uh, politics because that's part of my background and experience um awesome and just generally uh you know using all of that that knowledge we went into student loan debt to, <laughs> to attain to uh to really help uh, individuals and schools uh best serve our babies the way that we know they should wow that's that's great so that is great. Well, hey, if there's any, hey, I can have you guys back on sometime and we'll talk about, you know, I, I used to have this show called Pescadero Pesos where I just interviewed people who were in business and what their goals were, what their mission is, how they're going to, how they're going to get there, how they're, what they're going to make of their business and how do they achieve that. So believe me, I, you know, having started a business of my own, this is my second business. The first business was kind of didn't make it wasn't the greatest idea but this business was successful for me and it's so i know a little teeny bit about business but every business is just very personal and very different sure so i'd love to hear about your mission at some point and exactly how you want to go forward who your you know who your clients are and and what you're hoping to achieve that would be a whole other conversation maybe in july yeah, yeah, that would be so cool. And if I can, I mean, you know all the people to talk to. You guys have all the contacts, which is big. Plus, you have real-world success. You have real-world success in your in your career and, and yours. And you have great education for it, too. Yeah, both of us do. And I think being, um, you know, having contacts such as yourself, because I believe we, um, even when I worked at Fuente, like, we came in to learn about, um, was it our like 401k it was That's right. like even retirement so i know yes. that you are not only like the radio like the heart of the radio but it's also anything to do with finances and like how to start your own business and very self-sufficient so um yeah well, then even all the ones in town that i grew up with it was it's been uh everyone 
and he's met them bit by bit. Like, you know, when we run into people and they're just like, oh, like, hey, Cassie. I'm just like, hey, you know, that's the owner. That, those or those two are the co-owners. Like, right. this is right. a perfect example of, you know, people who've done it's, great things in such a small town. You know what? It's the perfect time to start this. Yes. It's so right. I mean, people are looking for this, wanting it. Hey, right. go talk to this school board. They wanted to hear right. from you. Yeah, we're... You can thank Patricia Talbot for giving us a little <laughs> kick in the behind. Like, come on now. Patricia we should be Talbot. doing some more. Patricia Talbot is... Because she'll use us as her sounding board going through her process of, like, unlearning and then relearning what, you know, is more equitable and social justice practices. Mm-hmm. And then as we're helping her, like, and or just being a soundboard, and then she's contributing to the more things that she's learned and we're building on our own... It's just um, indispensable exchanges, and she's like, "Why is this not a business?" And we're That's we, right. we finally we finally did it. We're like, "Okay, like we'll go through like, that process." The day before, and it was just fifteenth. The fifteenth, we we got the LLC official oh, and checking the trademark and doing all that stuff. I mean, so. June fifteenth, mm-hmm. this June. Yeah, we did this just a few yeah. days ago. Symbolic date in American history. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! I didn't realize that until just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that, because that's a really big deal. And, you know, we have to get people building wealth. You know, having your own business is a way to start. Um, And then the other thing is having a home. We're working really hard on trying to figure out how to do housing here. We know kind of what to do, and we've got to fight against the people who stop us. Um, and we we are working on that too, and I think you you probably know some of what's going on with that because teacher housing is a big piece of it. Yeah, teacher housing is huge, and then yeah. it's mainly it's also just the you know the farmers with their whole families oh, yeah. in close quarters is just ridiculous and oh, not up to standards and nitrates in the water. So yes. even on even when you have a private pump like on ours, like we have too too many um new like we have too many minerals in the water for us to really um, ingest consistently and still be wow. safe for the body. So we yeah. always have to bring in the gallons of water and that's in then even in closer quarters, just general cleanliness and access to clean water and it, it and smells we, different. We have know? to make it so much easier for people to have the infrastructure they need for water systems, mm-hmm. for wastewater treatment systems, mm-hmm. for the foundations of, of home building. And I'm all into tiny houses and anything it takes, the stepping stepping stones to to have a real house of your own, even if it's on wheels and you you can take it someplace else, just ownership. You know, we've got to give people opportunities to invest and and build wealth. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's critical. Because the ones that can afford out here either came really early in the 80s when the the 70s when the prices were still low, but then we're rurally zoned, like we could have a whole session on how we're not allowed to build, and then the one that when you can purchase, it's a $1.5 million property, or it's in the Redwoods where there's a lot of mold and no one wants to go there. (laughs) No, honestly, I mean, I've I've been working on, you know, I've been working on this for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's really tough to work against the regulations because in this county, especially, you know, they no growth, environmentalist rule, and even in a even infill, even density in the town is opposed, which makes no sense. So, okay, guys, I know you're looking at it's time to go. My executive director is emailing me about some action items. Oh, so. okay, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again for coming. I really do appreciate it, and we appreciate this it. Was so this was this was so fun, honestly. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Really? I mean, we have to come back and do this again. But let's let's. I really want to help you in any way I can, as yes. far as your your show, as mm-hmm. far as your business, just anything. Okay. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs>
She's like the finance guru. She knows like how's everything out. So. Yeah, you get some advertising. Yeah, that's was, true. We have a lot of ideas, and it's I think it's actually cool just to lay it out on the table and pick Catherine's brain about how that would even play out. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys, and um, again, I just really enjoyed having you here. And Cassie, you finally spoke up. So Cassie Talbot was <laughs> hiding in a corner the whole time. <laughs> Shields is the, is the centerpiece of today. It's, it's very true. It's a space. <laughs> <laughs> Which I appreciate. All right. Thank you. Thank I you so really much, appreciate it.